This is Kristen. And this is Nisha. Welcome to I'm Not a Peach Crayon. Welcome back, y'all. Well, like Isha said, welcome back. This time we are discussing this book, Dread Nation, by author Justina Ireland. So we kind of came across this book during um, a splurge season. Uh, from this bookstore in Chicago called Semicolon. Uh, so I believe we were just kind of wandering through and we happened to pick up the book based on kind of the cover alone. So you have right. this black girl with um, with the American flag in the background and she's holding a sickle and wearing a, uh, a dress from the time period you'd think around like 1800s, late 1860. 1800s. 1865 you don't have to be or so. Yeah, I mean, well, that that's the time period in, in which there. It's a little after. Did they say the actual year though? Um, they never say no, the actual year. They don't actually year. say the year, but it's after 1865 because it's well, for sure it's after 1865. But I just thought it was a little bit later with when the Civil War and or quote unquote ended in this uh, in this story because I thought the Civil War ended in 1865 it did okay. yes it ended. <laughs> I was yes. thinking 1867 for some reason no it could be taking place around that time but it's definitely post-Civil War yeah um yeah I don't think they're ever specific anyway not the point of the story but uh we came across that and it was a very interesting cover so we're like and also the way the the hardcover that we have has like these old kind of if you could imagine what books were like when they were like first starting out, they weren't so polished. You'd have like some of these, <clears throat> excuse me, hewn edges that are kind of rough looking, which I kind of liked in the paper yeah, right. that they use seem lighter. So I, overall, like the appeal of the book pulled me in and we briefly read the storyline uh, while we were out there. We're like, yep, we're buying it. So, um, but just a little bit about the author, Justina Ireland which I found was really interesting according to Wikipedia is that um, it reads that in her biography that she had aspirations to become a historian. So already she's like totally she one of my favorite stuff. people. Yeah. Because history, history major and person who wanted to be a historian, but she also enlisted in the military mm. at 19 Ooh. and um, she served as an Arabic linguistics expert. Oh, dang. Taking Arabic, it is a very difficult it, language to it is learn. super difficult. <laughs> I gave up. <laughs> Never learned it while learning another language. So to be able to become an expert is, first of all, amazing. And then it said that uh, based out of uh, York, Pennsylvania, she worked for the U.S. Navy as a director of uh, logistics and weapons system support. And she teaches creative writing at York College of Pennsylvania. Something that I saw with, that I also liked as I was delving a bit more into her was that she also writes for like a Star Wars franchise. Yeah. And I while I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, I still love sci-fi space operas. When I, see, when I see a lot of these women of color or artists of color out here doing writing things, they also have their hands in like all these other kinds of pies of different kinds of or cakes and pastries and sweets and savories. If, if I'm extending my analogy. Like, are you hungry? <laughs> Yes, because I've only eaten once today and I've slept very little and I just came out of a flex class. So, yes, I am hungry and I'm drinking hot chocolate coffee to keep me from losing my mind. Well, I um, part of her bibliography is that um, Dread Nation is not the first book that she's written. Not at all. 
Um, she's written a few, and I'm sure we'll go back and, and we'll read some of the others mm. later on. Um, but for right now, we're kickstarting off with Dread Nation, and it's the first book. And, and so far, second, a two-part series. And, yeah. And the second one is called Deathless Divide. But let's jump into Dread Nation first. I, I wanted to say, um, as I was like kind of peeking around one more time her website before we were recording tonight, I saw something on like the main page that kind of caught my eye that I liked because she was a former co-editor for this uh, speculative fiction or black speculative fiction magazine yeah, uh, called Faya. And I don't, I forgot to look up what it stood for. It well, was, we talked about it in like the speculative fiction so. episode. Yeah. But there's a point where on her main page, it says, let's change the system via the lens of compelling fiction. Ooh. And I was like, nice, sweet, simple. There's no fanfare. Her website is real simple and I love it, but it's just kind of like, okay, I see you out here. You bookish bon vivant as she calls herself. Oh, that sounds swanky for sure. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds pretty, that sounds pretty swanky actually. Yeah. So, uh, already I don't know much about her, but I was enjoying like these little details that were popping up about her as an author. And like, when you read the book, you definitely get a feel you don't feel like you're getting like a, a lesson about things in terms of like how life was like back then and what kind of clothing, you know, like th she doesn't go into so much detail where you get bogged down into like the facts right. of the time period, but you have an understanding of like how they thought militarily because based on her like background, she knows what she's talking about right. and kind of like how someone would approach it in that time period historically speaking because fighting then is way different than fighting now and what you had you know what technology you had available at that time period which you can see and it probably harkens back to the BA that she has in history BA means Bachelor of Arts for those people who are not familiar with uh, the US system of so how we, we discuss things but she has a BA in history and you can kind of see it because when I was reading it I was like wow it 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 amazed me because I'm reading another book that's was written by another historian. Mm. Um, and it's because I'm a historian or at least I graduated with a degree in history. I like those things, but like you said, you're not bogged down by all of it and it's not all in your face. It makes it for an intriguing story. And here are some points that follow along. And then the people talk and act within that time frame. It's not like you have a, 1800 uh i'm sorry what it would be like what uh 19th century would it be 19 or would it be 17th century? i can never 19, remember i think it's the because it's the 21st it. century now and we're okay, in the so 2000s like, yeah so yeah. 19th century girl uh or woman i should say mm. um with a with the thought process of a 21st century yeah woman. that's and that was the point i was going to make right before was that she also goes into the idea of like certain things sometimes at first when i first started reading it would trip me up like when they would talk about skirt length and i'm like so what who cares but then when i thought about it it was like well yeah this would be something that is um constant in their minds because right. they have to balance not only that line of being women in that time period but black women and what that comes what comes with that so it was kind of it it's it happens multiple times where these like little things these little side conversations come up but it tells you so much in those like little conversations 
what these women are dealing with and what these people are dealing with and how they would think and act. And even just the characters who are, we, we meet through the perspective of Jane, we still get a very good idea of like when they talk and like what they talk about and like how she does, she uh, creates conversation within the book. You get a very good idea. And you know, I always complain about like Stephen King or like Tolkien or sometimes where it's like 1700 pages to describe the landscape and someone wearing a hat whereas here I was like okay I got a general idea you had to get bogged down I know the general layout of what we're about to be in and, and how torturous a course it could possibly be yes and, and it makes sense too. it makes sense when she explains it you're like yeah I would never want to wear a corset while fighting zombies anyone who thinks otherwise has never fought a zombie after wearing never- a corset right I don't even being able to run wearing a corset yeah. And how difficult that would be because mm. it constricts the airflow getting into your lungs. This is why I don't wear any of the courses I have. Not right now for other reasons, but you know, <laughs> that's you also sharing. one of the reasons why. But yeah, it's, it's, it's those things for sure. And then she hits some themes in the book that um, I really like. Um, but one of the things that kind of stuck out to me is when she mentions about a black man by the name of oh, Othello. Mm. Um, and there's a nice little scene that happens. There is a nice little scene for poor, dumb Othello. Um, and, you know, when I was going back and and making my notes, it occurred to me, you know, with the name Othello. Yeah. I because, exactly you know, where she was. one of Shakespeare's mm-hmm. great plays. And I hate that story. Yeah, most people who are people of color (laughs) and understand what's actually going on do not love Othello. Right. But the thing is that it's kind of the same thing. Here it is. Mm -hmm. This black man is being led astray by this white man. Only difference is that Othello knows this is not a good idea. Mm. But yet he's still in that mentality. Which Othello are you talking about for the listeners? Dread Nation. Okay. Uh, That's still in that mentality because they've been not long released from from uh being enslaved and having to like listen to what their master says and like take everything at their word or doing things that you don't necessarily want to do but you feel compelled to because if you don't master massa is gonna be real upset but here you're still seeing that same dynamic play out even though they're no longer enslaved they're still being forced to do things mm. against their will. Because Othello, even though he's looking at it, and he knows this is a bad idea for what he's being asked to do, mm-hmm. but he is in a room surrounded by white people. And and black. Because the and black so, but, they're, but they ain't saying a word. They ain't saying, well, we'll get the to educated, that later. The educated black people the, don't say a word. The one person who does say something, the one other black person's like, is this such a good idea? Uh, <laughs> should we be doing this? Which would be Miss Jane McKean. I right. always want to. I always want to say her Jane name. Miss Jane McKean with a Southern accent for some reason. I want to, but it's it's not gonna happen right now. I don't I have like. a Southern accent or or even a good one. But I have a pretty good one when I'm at the work phone. For whatever reason, it it comes out when I'm at work. But any other time, if I try, it, mm, mm. but Jane does ask a question, and the disdain that she gets not only from the white people in the room but also the educated Mm. black people in the room as though she was wrong for asking questions which 
honestly, for what they were asking Othello to do, questions should have been asked. Right. Um, and she was asking the right questions. I think it's really uh, what what uh, Justina does leading up to this is you get a very good idea of why. Because in your head, as a reader, you're you're saying, "Hey, I agree with Jane. This is this makes no it's sense. A bad idea." But when you as you're leading up to this 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 particular scene, there's been little hints along the way of like what what kind of political parties exist at the time, both within the white communities and within the black communities. You kind of get an idea of why those people in the the, the rafters who are the black educated elite, why they don't say or do anything, and also why Othello is in that space. And at one point she says, and I wrote this quote down, because she's... Uh, She's also on her way there reflecting about the first time she saw a shambler kill someone in person. Right. And I'm not going to get into the details because I want y'all to find out on your own. Uh, but she's re- had reflected upon that on the way to this this incident with Othello. And she says, the, the one poking the dead ain't always the one paying for it. In fact, most times it's the ones minding their own business who suffer. Right. And it's just like everything this story is about kind of can be summed up in that sense because you have she talks about the native american re-education act that it was the negro indian re-education yeah yeah i I was yeah breaking it up into so she talks about specifically a the them trying to re-educate native american populations and use them to fight the dead but also on another stem of that same education act negro people and how they employed them post uh slavery quote unquote but it was Really, as you get through the story, you it's just another form of slavery, which is very similar to what happened in Reconstruction era, where like you had sharecropping and they right. were like basically working the plantation anyway, right. just under the guise of freedom. Then comes the penal system mm. with putting people in jail for petty for petty crimes, for ridiculous small crimes, but then they're spending life in prison on be, the plantation like what's right. that angola is to the be one sold in out Louisiana. by the state to yeah. be farmed out by the state to work for free mm-hmm. um and then with, like just even mentioning that how you still kind of see it today because it made me think about the u.s military and how many people of color serve in the u.s military mm-hmm. well, and I- do you remember having all that promotion, like not what's the promotion where basically they were where coming they come, to communities right. and it was mostly communities of color. Right. And, and it also um, discusses that in Lovecraft country as well about coming mm. to black communities and talking to the people there and be like, Oh, come and fight for your country. And I'm not saying to fight for your country or to protect your country is a bad thing. It's, it is a very honorable thing to do. Um, is, and for those people who truly make that sacrifice, I do have respect for them because many of those people who have made that sacrifice are in our own family. Many of those people have also been kind of pressured into making that choice because it's either jail or the mil- It's, it's That used to once upon a time yeah. be the how they would tell you. You had one choice. You could either go serve in the military or you mm-hmm. could go to prison. That used to be a choice that they used to give people, uh, black people, Mm-hmm. Um, they don't do it so much the anymore. Same way. But I feel I feel like it still way. exists in a in the, the 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 core motivation for it still exists. But they use different things to kind of like well, yeah, talk about your that. education. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go to college and you can't pay for it, and it's not I'm like you're getting guilty. a scholarship to play some sport or 
you know, an academic scholarship to go off to college. Well, one way you can offset that cost is by serving in the military Mm -hmm. and having them pay for you to go to school. They almost got me too. Right. Mm -hmm. You pay, they pay for you to go to school, but yet you're indebted to them for however many years. Yep after that and you come back with way more than what you left with considering like PTSD and possible injury and coming back from and not having really any job security it's not guaranteed that you come back and can find a job true and then you have enlisted uh people who in who are enlisted versus people who are officers mm-hmm. you know those dynamics all of these things play out as well but here you're seeing the same kind of cycle happen all over again here they are sending out the black and 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 brown mm-hmm. to go ahead and fight for them and the poor white to do as well yes. to go and fight for them to do the while, lord's work yes while the elite sit back and they have their parties and they you know they don't bat an eye about all the danger because those people will take care of it mm-hmm. for the, them. Our, our our darker cousins, as the preacher would say, uh, are there to Lord, protect us. Lord, that's one man who'd go straight to hell. Ooh. He's taking the express. If y'all express ever get the chance to, to hear the audio version, I would love to hear what people think who the preacher the per, the preacher reminds them of because I think the uh, the voice actress who does the audiobook i yes. forgot to write down her name she does a great preacher that just makes sure you get that you the racist drawl that just hangs underneath it and you could just feel you the, can feel him thumping the bible as yes. he is saying this bs i'm gonna actually i'm gonna say it you can while he is spouting this bullshit yes from the pulpit you can feel the disdain he has and the lack of respect and just uh there's i think she did a really good job in conveying in the hypocrisy yes the complete hypocrisy you could hear it in the voice i felt like i was (laughs) sorry not to distract with that but i that's true though she Mm. she did a good job to illustrate that but that goes to the point of um so just, uh, I think I kind of got distracted, but there was a reason why I kind of started talking about the preacher, but, uh, or the, the actress who did the voice, but that aside, when coming back to like the story, you get an idea of what, cause it's an alternative fiction, right? Alternative history fiction. So you, you, it's, it's basically reconstruction era under different guys because zombies were there. And then it, you get the idea that basically if it wasn't for the black and brown people, the U S would have been overrun pretty much right after the, uh, this end of the civil war, quote unquote, when the zombie first stood up. And it's just like the same idea when you think about this country as it is now, this nation, and you go to certain cities, the entire building, the layout, would not exist without the hands, the sweat, the blood, the tears, the deaths of black and brown people. True. So much, And so there's so many parallels that even though this is an alternative history with zombies, the same shit is that couple, that idea, same shit, different day. Yeah. Exists in it. And that's the kind of the feeling I kept having throughout. And it was just like, oh, this seems so real. And it's like, but there's no zombies, man. Would our world be just at least a little more interesting if we had zombies along with the racism? Maybe that'll, you know. And kick it up a notch. Right? I mean, Maybe I make, it, make it a little different. Give us something to distract <laughs> us, throw but some not flavor to it. Right? You know, life is boring enough. Give me some zombies. Throw some to kick it up a notch. Where <laughs> Bam. They, they kill everybody. 
<laughs> yeah. They don't discriminate. They're e- they're to- equal opportunity of- death. Completely equal mm-hmm. opportunity. They don't care who you are. <sighs> Zombies if you're out there. <laughs> well, one of the things that um I thought was interesting when she talks about one of the main parties the survivalist the survivalist party Ooh. yes because what they believe and i feel like you hear that right now mm-hmm. um y'all go like the survivalists yes so survivalists believe that the continued existence of humanity depends on securing the safety of white christian men and women whites being superior and closest to god so that they might set about rebuilding the country in the image of its former glory hallelujah the way it was before the war against the dead hallelujah hallelujah i mean basically so it's just a political party that found uh ways to inflict like old style oppression they wanted to bring back new ways they wanted to bring back slavery they did. They that's all they wanted to do they were like oh no this was this was good and these dead folks rising uh as a, along with the civil war yeah. that kind of you know ruined things but here we can create a system which is the negro indian re-education act where they take these children and train them they take them from their families and they train them to fight and kill and die mm-hmm. for them but yet they don't want to teach them how to read and write no i yeah, can't ha- can't have them reading and writing they almost make she almost makes it seem just in ireland when she's writing this book and from jane's perspective that basically the zombie apocalypse was a minor distraction or annoyance to the survivalist party they're like Ugh. and they they're constantly trying to like move past and say basically yes. everything's done so they can get back to the original ways i so feel that we hear that right now in 2021, we hear people mm. say that spouting the same thing. We should get past that. It happened so long ago. But it keeps happening. And it's funny because I, for work, I was just on a, a meeting about diversity and inclusion. I missed that meeting. I really wanted to be part of it. Uh, you, you should catch the recording. But they, there's a point that was made. And it's like this uh, concept of like, also, how do you maintain hope and continue to make movement for change when you basically can look at the past and see that you're fighting the same exact and there and the the disguise it takes is very light it's not that much different no. than the other. so it's like you're fighting the same shit different day you know you still one woman mentioned how in the 90s she, she went to school and she was desegregating her school she right. was the person to desegregate her school and that was happening in the 90s where you just had 30 years ago in the 60s people fighting for the same damn thing across the nation and even 30 before years that, before that before that and before that and again and, and again that. i was watching something with monique and she was I, I i hadn't finished the whole thing but it was just the idea of like multiple times again and again and again and multiple times more again that we're doing the same shit different day well also we we've recently watched the movie judas and the black messiah <laughs> and being from chicago I feel bad because there is so much history in in this city mm-hmm. that I don't know about because, first of all, we're not taught that history. And second, even if you think about it, because it mentions um, Fred Hampton from the Black Panthers. For years, I can remember them making me feel and think that the Black Panthers were some type of evil terrorist organization mm. that tried to destabilize the government. So when you're watching this, so first of all, it already makes you not want to even delve into it because you're, it's like, it's an illegal, it's a, basically it's a gang. Mm. Um, but that's not what it was. And then here's Fred Hampton, who mm. 
did all of these amazing things and then was murdered for it at the age of 21. Um, so if you haven't had a chance to see it, you should plug, look at the history. Yeah. But I'll- the thing that I was going to mention was how he went to uh, all of the different groups in Chicago, including the poor white young patriots, the Puerto Rican, the the- exactly. He and to some other black gangs. Yeah. He's few- as portrayed in the movie. Basically, yeah. But I think there was one of the quotes that he said that you caught and I didn't get a chance to hear where he basically mentions about how things could have been different if the poor white overseer Mm. and the and the black slave rose up together. together. Yes. I was like, click, boom. He was just saying, "Okay, let me not digress. Sorry, pull it back. But, But just that idea of. Because you see it also in the story, particularly when you come to the character of Duchess, who is a white Irish woman. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say the the old nickname for Irish people. Yeah. Um, However, she would be under that poor white Mm -hmm. class classification and how she's treated because she serves as one of the working women in the town right but she um, has like a higher position than the blacks and the browns right. but, but it's not it's not but that. she's still kind of the lower dregs of society and they try to find ways to pit them against each, each other. other but yet duchess doesn't fall for that mm. and the some of the most humanity that you see would be between blacks and poor whites yeah as well as some of the, the, mo- the worst violence, the worst violence yeah. as well. And the thing is, like, when you could get them all on the same page to work together, mm-hmm. that's when things really change. And when I talk about Fred Hampton, that was the thing that uh, the government mm-hmm. was afraid of, is that he was getting these groups that they had worked Marginalized. to keep separated yeah. together under one banner and saying, like, look, we're all tired of this bs and we're all facing the same problems mm-hmm. we need to work together in order to get these things solved and and, and fixed mm-hmm. and because of that they found a way to to to, to, him, to annihilate him you brought, you made me think of two points uh one of them being when you were saying with like fred hampton and like learning about the black panther party it's interesting how also growing up the perspectives we take because in my head, I remember hearing about what they wanted me to, like, how I processed it. This is what you want me to believe. Yeah. But I'm seeing evidence contrary to the facts. So it's like, in my head, it wasn't that the Black Panther Party was a ter- like a le- something legal hush-hush I shouldn't be about. It was like I was more motivated to want to learn about them when I was younger because I was like – something in my head was like, this seems off like that. This is this particular party. Why were, th- why are they a terrorist? Like what, what really, like you never really got the details when you asked why. So it, it was interesting kind of hearing your, how you perceived that coming up and like how, how I kind of looked at it coming up as well. But we all kind of got to the same point of like trying to find, like we still didn't know everything about it. I still didn't know anything about it. I came but I didn't know about, I knew Chicago had a Black Panther party before I left Illinois, but not until five years ago when I came back and I was driving through the city of Chicago in my car and I happened to look up on California and I want to say California and Madison, but I can't remember. And there was a mural of him and I was like, 
who is Fred Hampton? And I had to go home and look that ish up because I had no idea. And it's just like, there, like you said, there's so much of our history, but there are people leaving up these like signposts, I want to say, like along the travel, the road of our our journey, our discovery of like, hey, we've been here, you know, marking discovery. We're leaving little breadcrumbs behind for you to find and like spark your interest. Um, and that's kind of so far, especially with the show, the more things we've been looking up and finding, it keeps leading to all these other things, these new books, these new storylines. My feed is constantly giving me these amazing things. And I'm like, ooh, Kristen. And I send you something. And then I'm like, I've sent her five things. I should wait a bit before I send her this other thing. I usually have looked at them and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we could do that. I even remember what you sent me earlier today. Um, um, but, but to my, oh, sorry. Um, no, uh, but just thinking about what you said, like not having grown up in a city and having moved away, like I didn't, e I had no idea that there was a, a Black Panther Party that had been part of it that was in Chicago. I had no idea mm. at all until I saw Judas and the Black Messiah. So, mm. like I said, I feel I've heard a lot of people like say a that fool too. because I did not know the history of my own city. Like I remember in third grade doing a report on the city of chicago and what did they do i remember they took us downtown mm. on the bus we went to the sears tower went up to the observation deck when we were taught about it we were taught about the great chicago fire mm -hmm. and how mrs o'leary's cow. cow knocked over a, a a lantern and and sent the whole city up in flames and i think the I also, cow was acquitted by yes, the way of all charges i remember also hearing the world's fair right which is something I knew. And then there was one other thing the we learned about, was it the riots, like for the, the, the union workers and Al Capone. Al Capone, yes. Uh, the riots when the Irish came and massacred mm. uh, a lot of black uh, people who had come to work in the factories because they were upset. Um, heard about that. But for the most part, and Jean-Baptiste Pointe du Sable, uh, who was the mm -hmm. first black man who was to settle in Chicago. Uh, Sable Museum, if you ever come visit. It's a great place. Uh, but still, like, that's basically your outline of the history mm. of Chicago. Yeah. There I is no more that they really give you. I definitely loved, there was points where a few times mom and, uh, I think it was either mom or dad had taken me, and one time me and Melissa, uh, a friend at the time, to the du Dusabu Museum every Black History Month, mm -hmm. and that's and I'd pick up little bits of history from there. Um, to my second point, though, um, going back to like the the other side of how blacks or people of color and poor whites interacted, which is the more violent side. I was watching. Uh, I started watching Warrior, which is that uh, it's based off of Bruce Lee's writings, and it's oh. from the perspective of Chinese immigrants. Okay. Um, and I think they're going west or they're in the west uh, helping to build the trade. But the I, the tension and violence mm -hmm. between Irish uh, poor whites and you, you see their perspective in the sense of like they're also trying to feed their families and make sure they have jobs. But the the anger and violence towards just Chinese people and the, the, the slurs and everything like that. It's just like how deep like the need to protect your your own and your own survival 
along with racial biases can just create these powder cakes. And this is what you're also dealing with in places like Summerland in the book. And even in, um, in, was it Maryland or uh, Baltimore was the city that they first started at. Right. Yeah. Even within there, how the white police officers who were poor whites, they weren't on the Negro brigade out in the fields, you know, catching and killing, but they were in the city and they were given some sense of power and they at, and they at used one point it to tried abuse to abuse exactly. other people because they were like, at least I'm not them. Exactly. Ooh. But yeah. yeah, but like you said, it's that same thing. And that also goes to when you're t- you mentioned warrior. I need to mm. check that out. But here here you go where history is repeating itself once again because there were those attacks on Asian Americans mm. that were happening uh, I guess all over the country. Yeah, they were more being spotlighted in like New York and California. But here you have a group of people who are attacking uh, elderly Asian American citizens mm. for no reason. For not a reason that is actually a reason to attack people. Uh, to attack Old, anybody. Yeah, exactly. Like particularly the elderly, yes. but because of these things, like calling the coronavirus or blaming China it. flu or yes. Kung Fu flu. Blaming, blaming it on, the, on people who had nothing to do with it. I also saw that they were attacking older people because they have this stereotype that older Asian people, people carry have money. have money and carry it on them. Yes. <sighs> Just. But yeah, exa- <laughs> exactly. Like he- stereotypes play into these things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the same stereotype where people are like, oh, people who are Jewish always have money was like here but here it is is like history just continues to recycle and repeat itself and it i've been thinking about this uh the last few weeks but i find that it's crazy to me how you keep hearing politicians talk about we need unity and calling for unity but they don't want to they want unity without atonement Mm -hmm. or without having to have the hard difficult conversations and actually do the work to to change Mm -hmm. yeah and i'll be biblical about this repentance Mm because basically repentance is to change behavior um there's just no change of behavior so how can you have unity if you're not going to change the problems that is being caused to have this disunity Mm -hmm. And the rhetoric that you were a part of that helped create this this unity because I was kind of this story kind of sparked me looking back into because I was like not I would say that I knew that there was a re-education act for Native Americans and know about that uh, but I didn't know the full extent and as I got older I knew I could assume based on just the history of that I did know of how Native Americans were treated within America and just black people as well. And I was reading this article where this woman was talking about how her mother grew up in one of those, uh, those camps, basically, inter- I'm gonna call them internment camps, uh, for children. And not only were they, it was like you had, and I reference this because there's a point in the story where Jane talks about being at Miss Preston's, which is the school that she's training at. And she talks about how lucky it is she can go to the school because there's not that many opportunities. And most of the time, black people just end up being, or and Native Americans who don't make it out of, like, who don't escape the re- education schools just end up being, uh, what's the thing, 
fodder for the slaughter. Yeah, <laughs> basically, that's basically it. Like, Miss Preston's is one of the best schools to attend, and it's only for Negro girls. Mm-hmm. But she mentioned how some of them, uh, some kids who get maybe a month of training, mm-hmm. maybe, and then they're just sent out into the field to basically die. Yeah. And they're given just enough to to make them feel like there might be some benevolence. Like if they keep working hard and doing this, it might be just a little bit easier for them. Or you might have the promise of getting a a good job. And mm. that's basically there was a myth of like some person who who made it. And right. so they're all aspiring to be to, like to that be person. that person to one day be able to earn enough to be completely free or to mm-hmm. go where you want or to get a good job working for a a fine lady. Yeah. And on the upverse side of that is then you had they don't really go too much in the story what happens to Native Americans at the the training schools because it was harder for them to kind of get a hold of them a lot of times and she right. they go into why I'm not, I don't want to go into too many details to give things away but when I was looking up about the actual historical factual uh in our history reeducation camps it was this idea that uh, Native American culture was the reason why America was having the Indian problem, why they couldn't be civilized and let us do what, uh, and by us, I should not say us, let the government at the time do whatever they want to them. And someone wrote this really good part, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to post the, the article. It's the girl who was talking about her mother's position, but she was like, this is what achieving civilization looked like in practice. Students were stripped of all things associated with Native life. Their long hair, and a source of pride for many Native peoples, was cut short, usually into bowl cuts. They exchanged traditional clothing for uniforms and embarked on a life influenced by strict military-style regimentation. Students were physically punished for speaking their native languages and contact with their family and community members was discouraged or forbidden. Survivors have described a culture of pervasive physical and sexual abuse at the schools, as well as food and medical attention being scarce. Many of the students die. And she kind of goes into more of like the repercussions of that. But this is, you know, but that's what, but that's what people do. They take the children Mm -hmm. and and wipe every and to try to stamp out every trace and the united states is not the only country that has done this no not at all there have there it happened in australia with the uh, aborigines the aboriginal yeah and they had um what what is it movie called uh it was a long freaking movie uh australia it doesn't go too much into it but it's basically it does a little bit touch on what had happened mm. um but I'm sure there, there, but there are other films that are a lot better. And I know I've seen one mm. because I had no idea until I saw it. And I was like, wow. And it reminded me of exactly what happened in the United States with Native American children. It, and, and it happened to, again with, um, I, I think can't it, remember which country. I think it's the Democratic Republic of the Congo because really? in Belgium they were having a issue uh, there right now because they took the children away mm. if they were children who were born from or whose fathers were uh, Belgian, Mm -hmm. they took them back to Belgium. Right. To raise them there. To raise them there. And then they gave them to other people. They gave them to white families to stamp that out. Um, And so you have the children who are now, you know, in their probably 60s, Mm -hmm. 70s or so, 
who are trying to find their families back in Africa and have no way or connection to get back to them. Exactly. If their mother or if their mother's family is still alive. And you see the parallels with uh, circling back to like the, the setting for the story and within the United States, you see the parallels of how they destroy when, after they brought slaves over to America, separating them, pulling kids from mothers and selling them down the river into an, uh, you, you, and if you misbehave your child or your husband or your sister or your grandma or your brother was sent somewhere else and basically and then singing certain songs or being able to read and write all these things that could help keep them together as a community which regardless we all black people native americans We've all found ways to keep some of it alive or some sort of community alive, no matter what. But to the extent of how much people, specifically the U.S. government in the terms of like the United States and the story, but also within the world, like you were saying, will put so much energy into like annihilating a culture. Oh, yeah. And it's it's happened to a lot of things, but it's also amazing to see how much you try to eradicate something and how uh, withstanding it can be or how adaptable will still fight to keep it alive. Right. Or create new ways alive. to keep to, or new traditions right. that may not be, it touches upon like, cause when I think of like can in Brazil, it's mixed with like uh, Catholicism to help hide it, but it right. was how they could still keep in touch with their ancestors or with like Yoruba capoeira yeah which came from africa i can't remember which country it was and it has a completely different name but those people who were enslaved from that area were able to hide it and disguise Mm, it as as dancing dancing. and pass it on so there's so many creative ways that even though you have these examples of like and how dedicated even now how there are certain things that are put into place within our system of how like we stereotype our children, how, what education we've taught them for so many years. Right. We're trying to eradicate a history of powerful people trying to enact change or things that are, you know, having these amazing uh, backgrounds and cultures, but people will find it. We will find a way and we will survive. Right. Um, and just we'll thinking to. about that, with regarding education i don't know if you've heard or seen about the tiktok video that a uh a black student in the united states had with in his ap history class and how first of all his teacher in my opinion should be fired um especially with the condescending the condescension of his tone towards this student because for some reason, and I'm not exactly sure why, they wanted to discuss the N-word mm. and what that word actually means. Who wanted The teacher? The teacher, mm. yes. I feel like I've sort of heard about this. Because, first of all, they were talking about slavery, and it was the teacher was basically saying how slaves weren't beaten. And I was like, how are you, first of all, how are you a history teacher? Wait. And you don't know the history of your own country. Blissful because if ignorance. that's the case, then you should stop teaching because there are photographs. There are, there's photographic evidence. Mm-hmm. There's evidence from the people who actually did the beatings. 
where they wrote it down. It's in the newspapers. It doesn't take much to find this information to sit there and twist your lips to even lie to tell a group of kids. <sighs> oh no, they weren't beaten in slavery. No, I that was just the tip of the iceberg of what was done in slavery. Man, I can't even imagine what goes through the what your, what hula hoops and jumps that you have your mind has to make to even be able to let that you know fall from your lips and and truly believe it. Well, it gets better because then he goes into t- asking the kids in the class because the one black student. He truly student, wanted to know. He was trying to learn, Kristen. No, oh, of course he wasn't. Uh, the one black student, I guess, in the class because you couldn't see the rest of them. You only see this one student. And how the teacher was like, we need, let's have a serious conversation. Don't woo, 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 woo. And I was like, who the f- I was about to, oh, I was about to turn into both my mother and father at that point. Like about who are you talking to children like this that you're supposed to be educating, and clearly you're not an educator. Because if it's that like, was the case, you shouldn't have even you should have uh, quit your job. That makes me think of that teacher who made his kids fight. He was a substitute teacher, and he was having a fight math fight club, and making his kids fight for money. That's ridiculous, and I'm sure education. that's illegal. Yeah. But oh yeah, he got found out. Yeah. But here, he tell he tells this group of students, he's like, "What does the N word really mean?" And they're throwing out answers. And the one black student that you can see, and I'm guessing he might be the only mm, one in this I was AP wondering. class, because you don't see anybody else. Uh, and he's like, "Cause I would have laughed." The too. teacher basically said, "Oh, it means that you're ignorant and you're stupid. That's what the N word means." And I was like, "You." racist mofo I feel like you would just hear my chair screech as I pushed it back slowly (laughs) and then stood up and be like we need to correct this (laughs) but but I was like here you are why are you trying to change why are you trying to sit here and change the the definition of a word I was like open up the dictionary and it'll tell you what the word means if you are confused ah, tale it is to a Americas. derogatory term mm-hmm. it does not mean that you are an idiot or that you're a fool people have used or to imply uneducated. that that was associated with it but, but it's, that's not why mm. they call people that mm-hmm. and honestly i kind of wanted to be like so that means I can call you the N word. Then is that what I'm? Is that what you're telling me? So right. that's so basically you're the N word. But of course, this student can't say that. Oh yeah. And that's the unfair part because I know what it's like, and you know what it's mm-hmm. like to be in an AP class and being one of the few, and having to or sit in those awkward only. those awkward conversations where it does come because it always comes up, especially because I took AP US history and I took AP European mm-hmm. history because they didn't have any other kind of history that I could take but i loved history isn't that isn't that shitty now that i'm thinking about it yeah i i but mm. what you can and cannot say and then i was watching uh roland martin to because that's where i saw this clip of what happened and one of uh dr carr Mm -hmm. who was speaking he's a historian and he was basically saying here it is and he said you can tell from the way the teacher was this teacher I don't even want to call him that because that's not what he was. But this person was was speaking Mm -hmm. to this young man is that 
he didn't even want him in there in the first place. It was mm. like, why are you even here? You don't belong here. Mm. And the thing is, is, if that young man who was in that class had said something, it would have been flipped on him. It w- in some exactly. Way. It had been flipped on him. And also the fact that he recorded it mm-hmm. and posted it, that could also cause issues for him because then he could end up getting kicked out of that class. He could be expelled from school. He could have all these things because of, what this fool did mm, and what and the said, school does to so, and right. the response of the and the response say. to that but yet it could impact his future mm-hmm. because here he is trying to go to college he's taking ap courses and if you're in an ap class for the most part that means you deserve to be there mm-hmm. unless somebody's doing your work for you in which case you don't but if they're if you're doing your own work you that do- means you deserve to be mm-hmm. there and here he is trying to get these things so he can get as many credits he can towards college. And you've got this fool who's going to sit there and say that they're an educator and and basically not even teach them mm. correctly. Well, it's because that black person did not know its rightful place. And I specifically said it because that's how a lot of people see us. Uh, and this brings me to this thought that I wrote down when I... At, uh, had first read this and then also heard it when I listened to the audio later was there's a part where Jane or maybe it's Kate and she says like it's a cruel cruel world and the people are the worst part yes and it's like in in the development of this story as you start to meet the other characters you get a pretty good idea of people immediately who you just know have no love for the person of color and are just out there to like make their lives as miserable as possible. And they use the tools of science and God and um, the woman's place and where she belongs. And so you have gender politics that kind of pop up in the story as well. And how, what's appropriate for both Negroes and Negro women specifically, or just women in general, what mm-hmm. they are allowed and not allowed to do and why and it's because you have these sensitive i don't want to say sensitive these foolish uh i want to say scared but like immature men i don't even want to say immature but these these groups of people in power most of them are white males in this you know in the setting of all of this yes um who have dined that they have the will of god or it's science that allows me to do and say whatever I want to you, whether you're a Negro in general, a black woman, a passing black woman, a white woman, whoever, uh, whoever, if you ain't me, God gave me the right. And the rest of y'all can go fuck yourselves. As long as you're doing what I need you to do. God, society, science itself. Right. So it's, it's, I love how she plays, not plays. She touches upon, so many themes without it being like a slap like hey i'm gonna give you a history lesson and teach you about a bunch of stuff it's like within the story you talk about themes of racism and classism and feminism and uh sexism and bigotry and a lot of it pops up like we were saying earlier and like little conversations where she talks about the corset yeah or like how um or I when th- they go to the conference the science yeah. conference and they're uh, where poor othello is you know when Jane speaks up and how the, the professor patronizes her and it's like, Oh, she had to play the, the she had to do the shoe shine dance 
to be like, oh, I'm so happy that you allowed us to be here with your great big brain and all this stuff. And, and all my, your knowledge. You know so much. Because I'm stupid, I'm going to ask this question. She is intelligent asking a fully formed and she even within she's talking to the the cops she comes through she has to do the same thing just so she can be allowed in the door right and even in Summerland she chooses times to and they figure her out because she's too smart for her own damn (laughs) she can't she can't keep her mouth shut but she for a while gets away with the dumb I don't know what I'm doing. Masters knows best. And I'm just here to do what's best for, for my mistress or my master. And I'm dumb. And who like, like, let me shuffle and jive for right. for you. So I, I really liked how there were parts where I got hot under the collar with reads. I was like, son of a <laughs> kind of thing. Sometimes I'd be like, Jane, Jane. And then at the same time, you're like, Jane, just shut up. But you're like, shut up, Jane. Just shut up. <laughs> but who knows? I don't know. Sometimes in my mind, because I I hear myself say it. What if I accidentally slipped up and like like if I was in that kid's class and that teacher, I would laugh out loud too. But like, are you stupid? Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> uh, I but I I think I told you um, when I was reading it. I feel like I would be between because we talk a lot of we're mm-hmm. talking a lot about Jane, but then there's also Kate, Kat, Kate, Kate or, or Catherine. Catherine. And I feel like I would be between. I would be the friend between the two of them. Mm. because I'm like okay Catherine has some valid points but Jane also has some valid points and it was like Jane shut up Catherine get rid of that corset or Jane- I'm gonna cut it off of you Catherine <laughs> had a lot of other things too which perspective wise when not, not only I think she when you find out kind of like her history as well and like how she got to be where she is right um, but also she was I remember at one point she didn't want to wear pants Yes. And I'm like, that wouldn't even, I was like, she, she was so offended about having to wear pants in a dangerous situation. Like there are just certain things about Kate where you're like, you're, you, when she, when Kate, you're picking up some really bad habits. Right. Or she, she just like, she had to be called out about how, like when she was talking about the professor and how he's so smart. And even after he had called basically black people, apes or clothes and, and, and said stu- that they were dumb. Right. She was still defending him. And, and, you know, and Jane was like, you talking about a man who thinks you're a moron. Mm. And <laughs> why? So like watching through Jane's eyes, Kate's kind of wishy washy is not the word I want to say back conflicting situation of like she is a passing because she's light skin enough that people could would, could think she was a white woman b she's beautiful as jane describes her so she's got all these things that make her attractive and make people like men follow her to a point where she doesn't even moment to herself and she feels overwhelmed that she right. talks about but b she also has to deal with like colorism in the sense of she's a lighter skinned person and she's not quite so she thinks at one point that jane's using her light skinnedness in a, as a tool and that's the only thing that she's worth and her and her uh, body is the only thing that is useful right and and i like the conversation that she and jane have about that of like you have these two opposing sides of the same coin because they're both black women right trying to survive but the circumstances that led them there and the life that they had before them have them. They're different. They're different. And they see things differently. And while one says something and means something one way, the other one takes it completely differently or sees the negative side because that's what 
she had to deal with or they had to deal with and it the the slow development of friendship because as in every good adventure story there's a slow development of friendship true and also uh circumstances necessitate yes the reliance upon each other for survival uh but yeah that's a good point because i was also thinking about colorism as well that you see here and how even though uh kate could pass for a white woman she chooses not to Mm, she chooses to go to the school she chooses to be with even though she is not always welcomed amongst her her own people or half of her own people she still finds her place with (coughs) with them to the point where she doesn't even want to pretend to be white Mm. i'm like she she doesn't want to even do that but yet like you said here's this thing we're back and forth where here i am agreeing with the person who says they're respected professor or scientist but they think that i'm descended from some kind of subspecies sub Mm -hmm. inferior subspecies and i feel that you can see that nowadays with a lot of people who are considered you know uh black leaders quote end quote Mm. entertaining you know you you have like some people call them you know those people who like to shuffle and jive Mm. for their white masters like you still you hear people say that about these people and whether they are they're not there are some where you're like dude what what is your real issue because you know you're on the wrong side of this for sure Mm -hmm. um but you still have people who will find themselves and they will align themselves with people who really are not within, who don't have their best interests or the best interests for all of the people that they come from at heart. Mm-hmm. Like just because you've made it out with your money doesn't mean that everybody else is like you. And it kind of reminds me of, and I'm probably gonna, I'm, I'm probably gonna like lose people listening when I, we talk about OJ simpson (laughs) well i remember that trial yeah uh and how it got turned around and it was like oj is a black man but yet the thing was like oj had nothing to do with black people Mm -hmm. until he was facing a murder charge Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden he He was super black well that's the thing when i was watching this interview about the pick negro it's like the pick yeah pick me the pick me negro they uh not pick and i'm not saying pick me pick me pig me pick me but this idea of like they are called or like um what's the word i want to say cultivated to be like there's a flaw to them somewhere and they maybe i don't want to say it that way more so the idea that they are set up to be the fall guy and be like, this is why we can't let them have anything nice kind of. Or person. also set up to be that person. But who's also- like, you don't need anything because these, these people made it. Yeah. Why aren't you like them? Or to be the, the voice of, or our voice they're supposed to represent our voice but they don't actually like they have all these talks with white leaders but they're not really saying what their community needs or right. really representing that community or they're not even part of the community mm-hmm. they're only part of the community when there's a camera there otherwise y'all know who we talking about yeah you don't see them yeah no it's they, a- they don't care about they don't care about us and the things that we're going through mm. because if they did we wouldn't still be where we are. We would see more. We would see 
more of them trying to bring up and pave the way and open up doors for each other instead of shutting them and so only letting a few or turning your back when you know one of your your own speaks up about injustices and leaving them out to dry because you're worried about what will happen to you and what will happen to your the empire your money whatever you're trying to build and it happens uh i'm not gonna get too far into it but if you guys ever get a chance to look up like discussions about monique and like cat williams and dave Chappelle and uh who else am i thinking of I want to say Cecily Tyson, but maybe not. But they would all talking about like these kind of people within the celebrity culture and kind of how much of an obstacle or a, what's hobbling they are to the progression of black and brown communities. Right. Um, and that when I'm thinking about, because uh, I don't want to get too far off the topic of the book because it is a really great book and I think it covers so much in such a short how many pages is it it's really not that long of a story i think it's like 450 or like just under 500 pages yeah it's under 500 let me see i'm not even at the but for all that it talks about there's a point where jane is like musing basically about um the fact that the home can can change or the idea of home can change and like what you're fighting for the goals or you know can change or what people find comfort in isn't so stable and what do you do when the things that you've were comfortable but maybe not right are suddenly taken away from you and you have to face the reality of the world and have to face the reality like you're talking about earlier of like when people talk about going across the sides and working together, you, we are in a point in this, in our, in our American civilization where there is no hiding it. Like there is the wool has been pulled from over our eyes. We've been scrubbed clean. They've like stripped our eyes open. There's nothing you you can't look away. Like, Oh no, they've been lying all this time. That's not how it really is here. Like, yeah, Yeah. that is exactly how it is here. And we have everyday examples of like the slide stepping and and the ridiculousness that has been created over years and years based off of partly a time period that is addressed in this. That's a huge part of our history. But before that, even up until now, how people have engaged with the how people in power, specifically white communities having and white uh, political systems have engaged with people of color. And there's this part where she says, it strikes me that all of us everywhere are running from the dead, from the uncertainty of the future, from ourselves. We just always are on the move. Is there really such a thing as home when it's so easily destroyed? And it, when I read that part, it made me kind of circle back to like the resilience of people of color. Because like I was saying earlier, our culture our background have been constantly had forces trying to eradicate it to destroy it and yet we've continually found ways to create quote-unquote a home because it's constantly we have to keep picking up and moving or something happens like Tulsa when you you establish this great 
city, this beacon of light for a black community and it's destroyed. How do we rebuild? Native Americans coming back and trying to gain ownership of their land and the culture that was trying to be basically stripped from them and, and to eradicate it. Exactly. And the question, I feel like it was a two-sided question, part rhetorical in a sense, because it's like, well, there is a such a thing as home because we've consistently been able as people of color to create a home, a transitory home, a home that is always adaptable because we've had to be. But at the same time, it is this question of like, is it ever possible to have a safe space to have a place where you, you've worked so hard to reach these goals and be able to like take care of yourself and be with the ones you care about and not have to lose them to stupid shit because of racist bigots and people who are scared and fearful for what they, what they have. And they basically use you or try to get rid of you because they're afraid of what potentially you could do. I was like, I was watching that movie, uh, what's the one where um will ferrell is going to jail and he gets kevin hart to teach him how to get ready for jail oh i don't know but i know what you're talking about but there's this idea of like he oh where was i going with this what was i saying right before this well you were talking about how um something about potentially oh great now you put me on spot right <laughs> my Make, brain just shut down i know i was like ah! but uh this idea what was it i was like making home and it being destroyed yes and there's a point in the story where or in the movie fuck, where i think it was like kevin hart was doing something i can't remember now sorry guys Well, uh, basically you were talking about like he was preparing to go to to jail and how home is transitory um no there's not the part that he's preparing to go to jail though that was just the concept of what the story was but there was something that happened anyway sorry guys if i remember (laughs) it i'll put it in a text or in a a thing but it this idea though with jane and this story and this idea like it, it just hit home for me like especially as someone who's traveled a lot and had to take home with me and, and rediscover what home means when I don't have access to my culture, both historically speaking and also growing up, like, like you said in Chicago and not really knowing the full history of like being black in Chicago or being a person of color with other people of color and what we could have had um, as a home in a sense, like a created home of shared people. Like America is supposed to be a melting pot, a home to all these people who can come together and both recognize who they are as a culture, but also live and cohabitate together and not be fearful. It, this is what, in my ideal head, what we should be, where we can be able, and I think we talked about this in Speculative Fiction episode, be able to use the differences that we have to think creatively to create better things for ours for each other but of course fear and all the other shit have led us astray well when you say that it reminded me of another uh, part of the book um and basically the person who was talking was talking about how in the ideal society that he had wanted mm. uh was the fact that you would have all of everybody coming together and working together with technology and innovation, but how Summerland was basically a perversion mm. of the idea that he had in his head. Yes. Um, and I think when people are like, oh, 
like the, the U.S. is is all of these things. It's a lot of good things on the surface, but those things that it could be where it is fair and just and equal and everyone is treated the same fairly mm-hmm. or or justly before the law. Those things can happen, but it takes work because it has to. Uh, you have to undo the wrong that has been done and continues mm. to be perpetuated. You know, when people say, oh, I can't believe these things happen. That's not America. And my <laughs> first reaction is like, this, <laughs> this is, is America. America. Those things happen per- specifically because this is America. That's why Childish Gambino made that song. Because <laughs> exactly. he got tired of people being like, this, this is, is not America. America. Yes, it is. Um, But the other the other thought process is, and I can't remember who said it, and maybe it was in Judas and the Black Messiah. I'm, mm. I'm not sure. But the thought of basically, if you were to get rid of the problems that black people in America face, it would eradicate pretty much the majority of all the other problems. Right. And that, that and people in other face. Yeah, I was like, people in because general Because I'm like, you can't have this idea that people are going to do right by other people if they still can't do right by the first one of the first groups of people that, that they, they wronged over yeah honestly that idea that i that in and of itself is like because a lot of the problems that were created to exclude black people people got grandfathered in based on classism and money and just becoming new immigrants and going back to even the idea of what we're talking about after slavery but when people were coming over as immigrants here they just it's it's weird how as americans they transferred more hate to these new sets of immigrants but still had the same level of hate for these like that's got to be very exhausting depends on what color the immigrants were and where they came from but even in the beginning uh italian people and they irish people white. That's they weren't considered white and that's, <laughs> that's what why I mean. i'll tell you right that's, that's why I'm, that's what i'm saying it's just like they were able to still see something different and then there was like oh but we'll take you in you're almost white it's like the whole thing of passing black you're almost like us so we'll give you a little bit to make you feel like a little bit superior to your other to the other ones and keep you separated but you're still facing the same problems as these people and we still hate you just as much, but we're, we're going to give you, a, about it. we're going to give you a little bit of benevolence. So you feel a little special and make you th- that makes, and when you start to feel like you're losing it because they're hiring Chinese workers for, to build the railroad or they have black people that they're using to kill zombies and they're cheaper and do certain labor because they're cheaper and you're out of a job, you know, you start to feel like, am I not special enough? Am I not your special white people anymore? Was like, well, I I am special because at least I'm not them. Mm. And, I don't and even get that, to be there. It's, it's that it's that I it's that idea that has to that has to go away. The idea of well, at least I'm not them. I feel like, and I a- feel like it happens a lot because you could see that playing out with children mm. as well. That's you know with one somebody who's being bullied and. Nobody says anything because kind of secretly, at least I'm not that person. Because mm. if I say something, they're going to just do the same thing to, to me, me too. Yeah. It's funny on a grander scale, thinking about like, at least it's not me. I'm like, damn, as black women, how often do we get to say that versus another group? Usually we're in that, that, it, that is the group. 
Well, when I get to that point where <laughs> right? I could be like, well, at least that's, that's not, not me. me. I, I don't think I really, unless it was somebody getting robbed on the street, but I've never been on the street. Oh, I got one. That, but that someone be slipping, someone slipping on ice in a funny video or, and having their bloomer showing. At least it's not me. That's like the closest I've been to that. And yet it could easily be anybody yeah, who slips on exactly. that ice. That's why I'm like, it's not so it doesn't really, work. it doesn't really work. But let me grasp at straws, Kristen, because that's all I have. No, Isha, try harder. Find, find, find other straws. It's too late for that. Find okay? other straws. You I can't. have not slept. These are the straws, the broken straws. Yeah, but it's. But it, there are so many things, and you're right. She touches on all of these things, but she doesn't for- choke them down or, like, mm. shove them down your throat. It's just, like, this is the story, and this is this is what we're looking, we're living in. And yet, you can pull that out and be like, hey, this is you, not- can, you can update this to 2021. Yeah, and just the new zombie apocalypse. Exactly. Sick. Pretty much everything's the same. They've been around creepy crawlings. <laughs> since 1865 right can you imagine if this was our actual history and we've just been dealing with zombies up until the and racism up until this point honestly i don't know if we can make it there are times in that in that book where i was like why are you saving them because i feel like it falls into that same type of stereotype of, of black like, people always saving black people. people are always saving mm-hmm. white people mm-hmm particularly that, white people who don't deserve it because we're like and it's always that deep sigh because you, uh, you can feel it <laughs> and also the fact that both kate and more particularly jane also mm. feels it mm. because there are times when she was like look i am not a good person mm-hmm. because usually i don't feel bad or usually i feel bad about the person who died and she was like but there's something about... you can't do anything sometimes right. you can't do anything but there about are it. other people where she was like man i don't feel bad for you yeah. you got exactly what you deserve mm-hmm. and i was like that's mm-hmm. that's the part of me that identifies very much with jane mm-hmm. i was like you got exactly what you deserve yep and Ooh. i don't pity you at all nope not at all. There's some people that didn't get exactly, and that just infuriated me more. I know but. there are people who I, I felt <sighs> should have gotten more than what they did. I also want to know what happened to that one person with the underground area, but I don't want to give anything. I'm guessing I that's where we'll you, find out. Book, book two. two. True. Maybe. Hopefully. Pop, what if he never pops up again? That would I'm be pretty crazy. sure there, he there might be an answer for that. I think. Overall, as a book, though, we had action scenes because there's times where, you know, eventually a shambler, as they like to be called. I love, I love that. I, I know. Love that name, I was shamblers. like shamblers. Because if you think about it, I was like, they do kind of shamble across. And I do like how they have, she does the distinction, too, of like younger versus older yes. ones, too, because, you know, occasionally you just get all the slow. But she's like, no, nah, they can catch a dog if they wanted to. I was like, <gasps> Mm-hmm. And they don't even have. Oh, I can't even tell you. I don't want to. Uh, about, don't, don't, yeah, don't say. You but guys, this mm-hmm. would make for a great TV series. Yeah. Oh, did you see on her website where people were like, uh, have, "Are any of your stuff made into movies or TV shows yet?" And she's like, "I'm here waiting." Basically, she's like, "I'm here waiting for Hollywood." <laughs> and, I, and I was like, "Yes, where where is Hollywood? Doesn't, she doesn't have to wait for Hollywood. The thing is, like, <sighs> that's true. This could be a good anime though, too. It could be a lot of great things, right?" But of course, right now, all we're getting is reboot after get damn reboot after the dang dog reboot. My only concern would be kind of if this were to become a uh, TV show. Mm-hmm. 
which I think it would be it would do It'd very have to well. do a mini series. It it wouldn't it can't it won't last very long. Mm-hmm. But it I think it I'm would okay do very that. well as a show even if it like they could stretch it to like 6 to 12 episodes mm. for the, the for this one book. Um where the issue with colorism with mm. having uh predominantly lighter skin black women portraying all the roles that are speaking that would be my only concern because that seems to be this common trend mm. that's happening in Hollywood granted with Jane's background her mother is white yes but they she, she looks black that's the thing though and i i feel like that's very important mm-hmm. in terms of the story because you like she you gives you tidbits and kate and yeah. they're both black women one is so light skinned she can pass for white and jane is dark like us but Same i'm like but that can happen in yeah. families you can have a child who comes up a different color or different colors from yeah. both of their parents yeah or they can be lighter than, than their parents because of what happened way back like even us mm. we're two different skin tones we're mm-hmm. not that far apart though but we are we different. tan differently exactly like you can actually tan and get darker i turn into a strawberry i also get reason. sudden poisoning easily <laughs> so you know whatever and the sun doesn't even like my skin uh, it's a it's a living <laughs> but 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 i think those things are very interesting and i think those mm. dynamics are important to the story and i feel like with some with the trend that hollywood has that it would try to make all of the speaking roles for the uh negro girls mm. they would all be light skinned and yeah. i think that that would be a great disservice because like they you could said, it wouldn't work if they did it that way honestly that would be a total uh contradiction to like the how that story is portraying right like when you talked about the conversation regarding color Mm. between jane and kate like there's a reason that that conversation works so well is because of the difference in their skin tone i would be i feel like they would cast jane dark ish skin but i feel like it'd be background there'd be less Granted, there's not a lot of other characters that they really focus on, but like right. I'd be curious to see when they do touch upon background characters, how they would, who they would pick for that. I feel like because of the conversations of colorism, it wouldn't work, and they, someone on the team would be smart enough to be like, we have to make her a tad darker. Now, how dark in that sphere is a whole nother question too, because I've been told that I'm light skinned by some people, and I've been told I'm light skinned, and I'm like, no, I'm not, because mm. compared to my uncle mm. or my godmother i'm like they're I'm very, light skin yeah i'm, I'm not bad. light at all i'm brown for sure yeah <laughs> exactly so there's and i think we're, we might do because we've been, i've been collecting stuff about colorism but i think we'll do a episode on that because there's so much to dive into with that and how it's portrayed like you said in movies television when they it, i guess it hasn't really happened that often but when they cr- take books and and create movies and tv shows from them what is going to happen and even now when they create characters why do they tend to pick and we've talked about this before but i'm really interested in kind of getting deeper into like the history of people of color in media and how these decisions are made or we get the pick me negroes and all that other good stuff uh so what how many fuzzy froze would you give Dread Nation by Justina Ireland? I 
was thinking four, but I would actually give it five. I really did enjoy the story a mm. lot, and I'm excited to read the second book. Right? What is it called again? Something, something. I don't know. I looked it up, but I forgot to. Ooh, save it. Sorry, you guys. As that coffee on an empty stomach, heartburn. Uh, but yes, I would also give it five. Tentative. You, you seem hesitant about Well, that. only because in the beginning I was like, it was a little bit slow for me, but I also was trying to read like three other different things for something else. So I didn't have my complete cont- attention to it. But then when I went back and did the audio book as a follow-up, right, um, and I didn't have to concentrate on like soaking any- everything in as opposed to just kind of reliving it, I definitely liked the flow and cadence of the story. I liked that there were occasional fight scenes and you get like, you wonder if someone's going to die at that point. Cause you know, it's not right. guaranteed that all the characters will be there. Granted, this is a young adult novel, so they don't get into, you know, too much. It's not gory. Right. But they touch about those things. They talk about, um, uh, sexual relationships, but like they, t- they brush upon it, uh, briefly. Um, they talk about honestly, the concept too of being LGBTQ in the past, because it's not like gay people just magically appeared within the black community within the last 50, 60 years. Right. But also the fact that it's not an issue. Yeah. Like some people is just like, well, okay. You know, that's, if that's who you like, I, you know, you like that's, (laughs) and you do what you want. If, and, and I think there's a point where they talk about Kate and like what she wanted to do with her life. Right. And and the, that too, what and, you want to do with your life. Right. And whether you are not, you need someone to define that life or can you live it alone to your own expectations? Like, do you need, so there's right. so many things they kind of, it's, a, it does touch on quite a few different, but I also don't, you know how sometimes you read a book and sometimes you don't remember everything that happens right yes i don't feel like that i feel like i could tell you if you asked me to sit down and go through the general i I can't word for word but i could tell you in six in order what happened the important details it's stuck in my brain for sure but there is a lot of of good details and a lot of insightfulness that jane insightful things that jane says Mm -hmm. And you also get a chance to to get to know Jane. And I like Jane as a character because Mm. she is honest about her flaws. Yeah. And I feel like... And how they get her in trouble. (laughs) And how they get her in trouble. And I feel like that is something that sometimes I I miss because one of the books I'm I'm reading now, the main characters upset me so much because Mm. I'm like, y'all are some of the dumbest mofos. But yet... They have these these times when they were like, oh, yeah, like they're they're super smart. But I was mm. like, y'all are so dumb. I feel like I like it, too, because this goes to like, I think when we were shooting that thing for uh, Creative Mornings where that idea of like the niche culture and yes. like also being presented as complex and flawed people, like having the ability to be seen and portrayed as not just one sided, one dimensional characters. Jane is funny and gets angry and is smart but she knows she f's up a lot and right. sometimes she, she knows she knows she needs to keep her mouth shut but she has a hard time doing right. that because she she's learning she wants to speak her mind right and you don't i don't feel i feel like she has as you learn of who she is through each chapter because they give you a little bit of her past and like she reminisces 
you get to get a very good idea of who she is as a person and could potentially be and you grow with her right and i think the letters are very insightful mm. too that's a whole part. So that's why I think I, I hover closer to five is because it's answering the question of, can you create a complex character of color living within a world and like doing the damn thing, but in, in a way that doesn't make me go, I can't see myself in the, in her. I could see my, like, and like you were myself, saying, you yeah. can see yourself in Kate Jane, the same thing. I was like, I could see myself in her. I could see me be I imagine myself fighting zombies in that time period and what would would I be a Miss Preston's girl would I be good what would be my weapon of choice you know all these things that I was thinking of so it very much engaged me as a story ditto um and the other book is called Deathless Divide Mm. and it came out last year yeah I think she did uh this one in 2019 she was writing fast uh, this one came out in 2018 2018 still that's like a two-year difference true but I mean, I'm excited to see what happens in the story of Jane mm-hmm. McKean. And yeah, this was a really good read. I it's for only, Black History Month for sure. Uh, only 451 ish pages. So it's not that long of a book and it goes by pretty quick. Yeah. So definitely give it a read if you have the chance. Let us know how you feel. Uh, feel free to all also send us recommendations via Instagram or Facebook. We've gotten we a love f- recommendations. Yeah, I finally got one for uh, another book by Nindy Okafor. So uh, and and they highly suggested it. Remote Control, really? I want to say. I don't know where my phone is oh, right now. Cool, but you know, send it to us. We will respond. Maybe slow because life is because crazy. I'm inept when it comes to social media. I'm sorry, and I forget where my phone is ninety percent of the time. So. Uh, yeah, hit us up. Please give us recommendations and suggestions. We love to hear back and like engage and we want to build this. So, and tell us what you think. Yeah. But thanks for coming back for season 2 if you are and if you're new and joining us. We so, got some things coming in store. Yes. So, for now we're going to put our crayons back in the box and we'll talk to y'all next time. Until then. Look for us on all major podcast platforms. Also, like and give us a five-star rating. Music by Moon Apple Plus. And our new logo design by Midnight Peony. Check them out. <laughs>